His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Haley, that was I love that. You know, if we can live in that wonder, we live in joy. I mean, I loved, I loved at the conference that they said righteousness, yes, and, and there's a battle always for the righteousness. Peace, yes, but joy is part of the kingdom. And we need to partake of joy. As long as you're dealing with things on earth, you need to be eating the joy, taking a hold of the joy. Um, Speaking of joy, uh, I talked with Caleb this week and Jamadi, and um, they're really wanting to come sometime this summer. So just be praying about that. They were just real excited about um, spending some time with us and stuff. And so uh, that's definitely a joy. That is is fun. it is going to be the hottest race there ever was today. And Kristen and Greg are sitting out in it and quite a few others. And people are camping in this heat. And so uh, I don't know if we're getting summer now. And then we're getting the rest of spring afterwards. I mean, I, I have no idea. But I can't even imagine that 500. Kristen told me even when it was going to be just uh 90 she said you know be praying for me because i have to go back to the tent it just is so hot and stuff so anyway i want to pray for all that lord we just thank you that we have joy and our joy is you you are just utterly utterly our joy and lord i just pray for all those that are uh, celebrating this weekend memorial day and lord it's, uh, there's just celebrations all over the place and people camping and traveling and and god i just pray for your mercies and your grace i pray for um protection from the heat lord up at the 500 god you just care about all those things and father we just say uh let this weekend be a memorial to you Lord, a memorial to who you are. Lord, raise up a banner over this nation that we see you. God, I just want to thank you for it. Thank you. A thing I wanted to ask is um, I've been, we sleep in separate rooms when he comes home from chemo anyway because he's got chemicals coming out of him and they said not to, then I wash all his sheets and everything and he does detox baths, but um, I do not want him getting this cold. And so, you know, I had a lot of fear last night of thinking of leaving him. And, uh, and I just, you know, I finally got up and got peace over it and stuff. But I just know you'll be covering us in prayer. But take care of my beloved. You know, God is amazing. He's wonderful. He has wonderful things for us. I couldn't. If I had have looked the world over, picked a more perfect husband than I have. I mean, seriously. This isn't for brownie points. And he always finds something humorous. He comes in and he's always got, hey, I I read a new Bible story today. You know, it's the same old story. But he finds some funny thing in it. And it's like, (laughs) you know, he's funny. I married him because he's funny. I still do laugh at him. I mean, at his jokes. Huh? Yeah, and your looks, too. I'm sorry. That, too. Well, I have been sharing recently, um, John 17, 22, that the Lord 
wants us to say, Father, glorify me that I would glorify you. So I've been thinking on that over and over because Jesus prayed it and then he said, I'm giving my glory to them. And so favor them so that other people can see your favor on them. And when your favor comes, they're going to see me. And so it's, it's a, a, a wonder thing. You passionately love us the same as you love Jesus. Now, I want you to say this. Father, you passionately love me the same as you love Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Father, you passionately love me the same as you love Jesus. This is the scripture that Jesus prayed, and I believe it's a garden restoration. Jesus came to restore the garden restoration of what God intended. When God created earth, God intended something on this earth, and Jesus came to restore. And Jesus said, Father, I ask that you would allow everyone who is mine to be able to see my full glory. I ask that everyone who is mine would be able to see my full glory. To be and walk with me because you loved me before the beginning of time. To be full of wonder like Haley shared is to be able to see his glory. And that is an eyesight that is beyond this world. You know, it is crazy. Because you can get up and glory. Now, I glory in the things of earth. I mean, I just look at the children. I was watching Faith, and Faith was walking today uh, all across the whole room. And that's been a big challenge for Faith. And Faith was very proud of it. And, and she didn't want anybody to touch her. And so Zephaniah is closely following, and she's doing this the whole time. Get away from me. I'm walking. I'm walking. But the whole time I'm looking at that and going, what glory? God, you are amazing. You're an amazing God. Jesus came to bring God's glory back to us. We once were glory. Now, I believe the babies are, but we once were pure glory. We once in the garden were pure glory. Everything about us was glory. Adam and Eve were glory. Jesus came to bring all that back to us. This glory is always about love. I don't think a lot of times when you say you're glorious, you think about love, but it's always about love. If Jesus shows you his glory, you'll see his love. You can't see Jesus' glory without love. Jesus displayed the glory of God when he healed when he stopped the storms, when he raised the dead, everything Jesus did displayed glory, and it was always love. He fed the 5,000. Why? Because they were hungry. It was love. 
Was it glory? Yes. You cannot have glory without love. So, Lord, let me see your glory. Let me let your glory return to me. Let that love that you are go out. And I loved, I don't know who had the, the team was going to be a team of love, but God, your glory is love. If we're really going to walk in the glory of God, we're not going to look like some big flower. We're going to look like love, and there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles following us. That is the restoration. But the alignment starts with him. This glory is always about love. It's about loving him. It's being one with him. It's loving others as he loves. This is our identity as mankind. You know, everybody's looking for their identity. You want to know what your identity is? Learn to love. What is your identity? You want the glory of God? Then walk in love. How do you walk in love? Be with him. He'll make you love. You cannot experience him and not love. I always, I always loved the Emmaus walks. Everybody would go to the Emmaus walks, and I loved that we sang love, love, love. They got it. They got, they got the message of glory. It didn't matter what denomination we were. It didn't matter. We were just a group of believers singing about the love of God, and we'd go through these lines, and you know what? After an Emmaus walk, people were changed because they felt his love, because they walked in his love. Change came. That was a revival to our county, and change came. It was a period of time, and God changed us in love. Love encounters us and changes us. So you can put the word glory and love together. Glorify me. Fill me full of love so that you will receive more love. The issue of love is that others would love him because you love him. It's not going to do any good if you just keep your love to yourself. It's got to be because they see the love of God. But the alignment starts with him. People who live in love with him, who know they know who they are. Jesus said, if you're in alignment, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. There's many names for Jesus. Jesus has tons of names. Son of God, Messiah, anointed one, Savior, servant of all, shepherd, king of kings, prince of peace. All of them are Jesus, the one who loves us. Our identity is the same. Teresa, my name, child of God, servant of all, friend of God, sheep, laid down life, a king and a priest to our God, a lover of God, an anointed one, a son of God, a dear child, a believer, born again, called by God, faithful, true, and a lover of others. It's my name. Who am I? I am, I am like Jesus. My names are like his because he's in me and I'm one with him. Jesus said we'd be one if this glory came. And we would be one. And there is a oneness. There is a oneness. When we suffer, one suffers, we all suffer. When someone's going through something, we all, all go through it. I mean, we have felt that with Ron going through this cancer. We've never felt alone. We have felt totally, totally walking together. In all these eternal words about Jesus and us, they give God's true identity for our lives. If you get that one down, everything else will follow.
I remember Ron and I young. The Lord had told him that he wasn't to go to college. He was going to be an engineer. And the Lord had told him that because he had something different for him. And he began to work on things and, and, and mechanics. And th that was really who he was. Uh, he loves to fix things. Ron's a fixer. He likes to build and fix. And, and he's in his element. He can't help himself when he does that. But the Lord spoke to both of us and said, if you will love me and follow me day by day, I will put you in your destiny and I'll put you where you're supposed to be. We did not have big visions of Owen County. We did not know we were going to go to Maine. We did not know any of our future except that our future was his. And from the day one, our future was his. From day one, our children's future was his. They were dedicated to the Lord and their future is his. He knows. My sheep hear my voice, my word, and they follow. Jesus was tempted with being big and great. Satan said to him, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? You know, the world has a counterfeit of what God's saying. God says, I want you to be everything I created you to be. You can be what I created you to be. Get into my heart and you'll be it. The world says, you can be whatever you want to be. And I'm going to tell you, when you're God, you're going to be what he wants you to be. You're going to, yes, you will fulfill your destiny. Yes, you will have a full identity, but it will be God's. Jesus was the son of God, but he came as a human. And when he was offered the world, Satan was going to offer it. The battle's over. I'm going to give you the world. I'm going to put you here and you can rule it all. If you just doubt, bow down to me and worship me. And Jesus said, no. I let it all go. In fact, I'm going to go to the cross. He didn't tell him that. I'm going to die for, for mankind. But I'm going to only do what my father says. Jesus fulfilled his destiny. How would you like that as your story? Your destiny is going to be a cross. But you're going to redeem all of mankind. Jesus understood his identity as God. He understood he was the son of God. And only did what the Father said. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a secret to identity. Every single one of you, from the oldest to the youngest. Find out who God says you are. And find out his heart. The key in that uh, word was that she went into the heart of the Father. Dreaming with God is dreaming with his heart for you. He created you. He knows exactly what you're supposed to be. You can have the world mold you. Or you can have God mold you. And God wants to mold his people. We are his sheep who hear his voice and do what he says. The world has dreams too, but you're God's dreams. And aligning with him will fulfill his and your dreams. So I want to read about restoring us to full glory. Do you know God's dream for you is to restore you to full glory? To restore you to full glory. So let's read about when man had full glory. Man had full glory in the garden. Genesis 3. I love this Bible. This is my new favorite Bible. It's called The Voice. Of all the wild creatures, the eternal God had created the serpent was the craftiest. 
And the serpent said to the woman, is it true God has forbidden you to eat fruits from the tree of the garden? Now, this is a perfect woman. Perfect. Eve said, no, serpent. God said we're free to eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden. We're granted access to any variety and all amounts of fruit with one exception, the fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. God instructed us not to eat or touch the fruit of that tree or we would die. It was the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, no, you won't die. God is playing games with you. God's lying to you. The truth is that God knows that the day you eat the fruit from the tree, you'll awaken to something powerful in you, and you're going to become like him. This is what Satan was saying to, to, to Jesus on that um, mountain. You're going to become like him, possessing all knowledge of good and evil. And so the woman approached the tree and its fruit and eyed it and coveted its mouth-watering wisdom, granting beauty. And she plucked the fruit from the tree and she ate. And then she offered some fruit to her husband who was close by and ate as well. Suddenly their eyes were open to a a reality previously unknown. For the first time they saw evil. They sensed their vulnerability. They were no longer covered with glory. They were no longer covered with the love of God. Now they're vulnerable. Now they're naked. And now they're ashamed. You know what? God's love comes and removes all the vulnerability. God's love comes and removes all the shame. But it was removed in the garden. And they're vulnerable. And so now they try to cover themselves. And then God calls to Adam. And he's really actually calling to Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve are Adam. And he says, where are you? He had walked with them and talked with them every single day. And Adam said, when I heard the sound of you coming in the garden, I was afraid because I'm naked. I'm not covered with glory anymore. I'm imperfect. Something's wrong. So I hid from you. Mankind has been hiding from God ever since the garden. But God so loved the world that mankind couldn't hide from the Son of God anymore. He came and sent his love. Perfect love. God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in the center of the garden? The very one I commanded you not to eat from. And Adam said, it was she, pointing to the woman. But I want you to hear something. The woman you gave me. I'm going to tell you, if the enemy can't, can't get you down with some of the things that are happening, he will get you bitter. He works at getting mankind bitter. I believe he gets, uh, I believe he gets unbelievers bitter and angry. I believe he distorts the picture of who God is constantly through sometimes believers. Sometimes believers are so religious they're hateful. He distorts constantly so that the world is bitter. It's not just dealing with bitterness in the church. The whole world is bitter. They've gotten a rotten a lot in life. I just talked with a woman. I met her and and Coles, and I was praying for her knee, and, and she said, yeah, my, my father died of cancer, and she was angry, and she was bitter, 
And she was bitter at the doctors that they didn't fix him. And she was bitter over, and she had carried that bitterness for, for 15 years. You know, and I said, well, you know, I've lost two sons. I know what it's like to lose. My mother died of cancer. I nursed her till she died. I understand that. But it's not worth it to carry unforgiveness and bitterness. This wasn't about Jesus at this point. And then I said, you know, Jesus loves us and he forgave us. I'm just way too old to have any bitterness. I believe the veil of the world is bitterness. I believe the veil of the world is bitterness. You got veils. You got veils. And they're bitterness. And they keep you from seeing things as they really are. I believe it. I believe that that is the veil. And so uh, Chuck Pierce has a word, and he said in the next three months, do not let yourself get offended. Work against having offense. Situations happen. It was she, the woman you gave me. He was really bitter at God as a companion. She put the fruit in my hands, and I ate it. People have been blaming each other for their mistakes or God since that time. You talk to someone, they're always blaming someone. Talk to them. Bitterness is always something about somebody else. Ron and I have a, have a uh, check on each other when we find ourselves talking about someone else. There is always somebody you can be upset with and bitter about. And I'm telling you, the glory of God covers, love covers, and we don't have to walk there. So then God said to the woman, what have you done? And she said, it was a serpent who tricked me, and I ate. So God spoke to the serpent. Now, you've got to understand that it wasn't just that uh, crummy animal. It was Satan in the animal. He had come, and he said to the serpent, what, have you d- what you've done has carried great consequences. In other words, you're going to be cursed. Now you're going to be cursed more than the cattle or wild beasts. You will writhe on your belly forever, consuming the dust out of which man was made. And I will make you and your brood enemies of the woman and all her children, and the woman's child will stomp on your head, and you will work to strike their heel. But the woman's child will stomp on their head. To the woman, he said, you're going to have judgments. You're going to have consequences. And I'm going to ask every woman who's ever had childbirth or had children, if this doesn't sound a little bit like what they went through, (laughs) I will increase your suffering, the pain of childbirth. Anybody have a baby with no pain? But I want you to hear this, because this is incredible. And sorrow bringing forth the next generation. Woman, 
heart was created to, to reveal that the next generation could go forth in life, intercession and crying out that there's pain and sorrow. Jesus, I want my children to follow you. Jesus, I want the world to follow you. Lord, I want the next generation not to be a rebellious generation. Lord, I want these things to be changed. God put those things inside a woman. And Jesus came to give us the ability to pray those things and break the power of the curses and the sorrows. Jesus came. It says, you, are, you will desire your husband, but rather than a companion, he'll be the dominant partner. I'm going to tell you, when women come into their own identity of knowing who they are in Christ. They are one with their husbands. Ron and I are one. Yes, I submit to him. I still believe that there is a lineage, and he is my head, and he is my covering, and I don't do anything that he's not comfortable with. I don't walk that way. He is who I submit to. I submit to my government. I submit to those things because I trust God. I trust God with all my heart, and so I'm in submission to those. But I know who I am, and I am no longer dominated. I am a woman of God. I am a child of God, and I am one with my husband. And that is the kind of marriages God wants. God does not want women dominated or men in, in places where there is not a oneness. I'll tell you what. He's fighting for oneness. We fight for oneness in marriages in this place. The, one of the biggest griefs, here's my travail, is when we see divorce, when we start seeing couples beginning to separate, when we start seeing those things begin to happen, there's something inside of me that goes, no, 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 I'm in travail again, I'm in sorrow again, that those marriages, and I still pray for them, I pray for them now. I do not quit. You've been in this place and I've seen your face, you're prayed for. I pray for your marriages, I pray for your homes, I pray for you. Why? Because God gave me an identity as a woman to birth the next generation. And that is whole families, and that is love, and that is identity. But listen to a man, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so wrong, because we're so different. We'll go through things, and I react with, oh, yeah, did you feel that? Did you feel that, honey? You know, and it's not that he doesn't feel things, but he's like, well, I just figure that's kind of the way it is. We just get up. We can just do it. Come on, hon. You can do it. And I'm like, <gasps> my heart. And he's like, but you just get up and you do, Teresa. That's just the way it is. Did you see that? Those people wanted to cheat us. I cannot believe that. Did you see that? Teresa, that's the way it is. You just get up. Come on. I'm like, boy, we're different. We are so different. Men were called to be structures. Men were called to be the structure of a nation. Structure. They're the ones that go to war. They're the structure of who mankind is. Men were called to that. And listen to this. They, um, because you followed your wife's advice, I'm going to tell you the number one problem with men they better get their ears attuned to God. They need to know their Savior. They need to know what their Savior is saying. It is not about listening to your wife. It's not about listening to all the views. It's not about being on your phone and fubbing people all the time. You know what that is? That means phone snubbing, fubbing. And you know what? It's a disease. It is a disease. I'm serious. 
When you can't put your phone down for two seconds, it's a disease. They said it is beginning to mentally affect our nation. There is all kinds of things going on when you have to have that phone. You know what? We used to have businesses years ago. We didn't have our phones on us 24-7. God is after men to hear his voice and walk after him. Not all the voices, not all the news, not all those things, but to get alone and hear him. When they hear him, they got his identity. And when they got his identity, they're going to know what to do. And they're going to be the structure that needs to move us forward. He said, instead of my command, you listen to your wife's advice instead of my command. And you ate. From which I had forbidden you to eat. I had already spoken to you, son, and you didn't listen to me. You will fight for the rest of your life for every crumb of food from the crusty clump of clay I made for you. As you labor, the ground will produce thorns and thistles, and you'll eat the plants of the field, and your brow will sweat for your mouth to taste even a morsel of bread until the day you return. Anybody ever felt that with work and business and the things that they carry, that they push and they push and they're worn out? God is saying, I want to bring my sons back into their identity. My sons have dominion over the issues of life. Your brow will sweat for your mouth to taste even a morsel of bread until the day you return to the very ground I made you from. From dust you've come, and to dust you shall return until Jesus Christ came. And he died on the cross, and we died with him. And he broke the power of every one of those curses. And he said, Father, give them your glory. Cover them again. Fill the woman so she doesn't have sorrow of travail, but she begins to have authority. I'll tell you what, women may not be bold in other things, but I've seen women stomp on the heads of snakes and cut their heads off and fling them out of their gardens. I've watched them. And I'm like, where in the world did that come? I've seen women bold in Jesus when they thought the children were going to be harmed. I've watched them rise up in a way. God has called us as women to be life bearers, to see life in our generation, to see life over this nation. And he has called men to provide and bring structure. And I'm not saying that you don't have working women too. I'm just telling you, men were given something. But they are not going to fulfill it without their identity in God, the glory of God, nor the women. Now, what does God want us to fulfill? He wants to restore all glory back to us. He wants to restore all identity. That's what I loved about the word. Bobby Connor said, our sonship. Our sonship is full glory from the garden. Full glory. Our sonship is not just adoption, but knowing you're up front. You walk with the Father every evening. You talk with him, and you know who you are. Restoring us to full glory, that's God's dream. Restoring our identity, who we are, our fullness here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we're on earth. Does it feel like the Garden of Eden? Are you able to pick fruit off of every tree? Are you able to do those things? No. We're in a place where the enemy is our war. The Bible says that he will come against you day and night. 
until you learn to stomp on his head. Until you learn to stomp on his head. Until you take the battle. I love this. There isn't any battle that you're in. If you'll take it. If you'll go after it. If you'll go after it by the blood of the lamb. I'm saved. I know who I am. By the word of my testimony, the word of God will not return to me void. The word of God will go forth, and I declare it. One of the things that one of the scriptures that I'd heard is train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart. And the enemy been throwing that at me. You train them to love. You train them to be this way. What's going on? And I'm like, Lord, that's your word. And he said, You stomp on the enemy's head with that. That is my word. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. The love of God will permeate their hearts. It will permeate their souls. But you do not take defeat. We are children of dominion. We are to be rich. We are to be uh, uh, carry dominion over every battle. You got a battle? Take it. You got a battle? Overcome it. Find out what the word of God says. You know, we've got those promises. We've called them promises, but I'm going to tell you they're swords to cut the enemy's head off with. They're swords for you to get down. I know this is a heavier message than I speak normally, but I'm telling you, God is going, people, it is time to move forward. You've got to know who you are. How many of you have asked Jesus into your heart? The blood of Jesus covers you. The glory of God has been restored to you. No longer are you under those curses, but are you battling? Uh, okay, they're battling a curse for the need for rain. How many times have we prayed for the farmers for rain? Father, in the name of Jesus, we watch the rain avoid them. We've seen the heat coming. We ask you in the name of Jesus, and we speak to the rain, and we say, rain on those crops. Rain on those crops because of the authority of the Lord Jesus. We declare dominion over those crops and a bumper harvest in Jesus' name. How many times have we had battles? I can tell you, and I've told you before, one of the battles is losing children. I mean, I lost a child when I was 22 years old. That is hard. Then I lost a child. Uh, what, what, I don't remember how old we were. A little over 40, 40 years old. And I went, no more. Not only am I not losing children, my children are not losing children. You're not losing children. And I took something that had not been. But how many times have I not known who I am and I've let things run over me? Oh, dear, I'm getting run over again. And God's going, no, you're not. Stand up. Stand up. Let that identity be restored. I just want to read this. It's, um, you've heard it in a lot of different translations. It's Revelation 12. God wants dominion. Over this county, he wants to glorify himself. He wants you to take the mountains. He wants you to have favor. He wants you to win. But your identity's in him, and you're to dream with him. You know, when you dream with him, it's far bigger than what you thought anyway. Because now you got power going on with you, not just man's strength. Revelation 12, verse 10. And then I heard a voice, a great voice in heaven. 
now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his anointed one, which is Jesus Christ, have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuses them day and night before God has been cast down and silenced by the blood of the lamb. He was silenced by the blood of the lamb. You shut him up by the blood of the lamb. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I took this ground, okay? I, I, I loved, I'd, I'd heard Chris Vallett and he said, okay, if you're going to hit us with this, then we're going to hit you back 10 times more. I, in fact, you're going to wish you killed me because I'm going to go after this even stronger. I, I have watched you guys when you've had infirmities and illnesses, when we've walked through things with the children. I have watched, uh, I've watched Marty. Marty is a powerful, powerful warrior. I watched her when Ari was born with Downs, and, and, and I've watched her not step back. And I'm going to tell you, she's going to get victory. And when she does, she's going to take it for more. Ron has not stepped back when this cancer hit him. He did not. We're overcoming. Now, I felt like the Lord said, every one of your promises is a sword. How many's got promises? Lots of promises. Get your swords out. Get them out. And this time, don't go, God, you promised me. How many times have you done that? God, you promised me. You said it. You told me. You told me that. I, I wrote it down when you told it to me. You don't need to be talking to him. He gave it to you. You're his, his son and daughter. He's probably sitting there going, I know, honey, I know, honey. Do something with it. Get up and take your sword. And it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb because they're saved and they're redeemed and they're covered with glory. When the blood of the lamb covers you, you're covered with glory again. And the word of their testimony, their witness, they spoke the word of God. And they have become victorious over him. Because they didn't hold on to their own lives. It's all Jesus's, guys. We were born again for him. It's not about you. It's not about what do you want to be. I'm not saying he doesn't want us to have dominion and favor and glory and have our crops taken care of. And yes, 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 but it's about him so he'll be glorified. Either you're his servants or you're not. Either you're his servants or you're your servants. You're either for him or you're either you're, you're for yourself. I mean, it's serious. You're either for him and it's for him or it's for you. And you're bitter if it's for you. You're bitter because you're going to get what you want. But if it's for him, you're going to have an umption from the Holy Spirit that will not quit. They overcame him. They didn't hold their lives even under the threat of death. Guess what? There is a threat of death over everything you do. Anybody ever felt it? Anybody ever felt it? There's a threat of death. When you start going forward, when you start making stands, when you start taking the word, you're warring with the serpent. But Jesus said he had defeated the serpent at the cross. So do we believe it? Are we going to hold his word in wonder? Or are we going to go, oh, I'm just getting by. I'm just getting by. Do you think I was surprised that I got attacked with a cold? That I haven't had, I haven't had a cold all year. I haven't had a cold for probably almost two. 
You think I was surprised? I couldn't even stop it. I did all, I did all the essential oils you can imagine. I did, I mean, I did it all. Vitamin C, 6,000 milligrams a day. I mean, I did it all. And it didn't even stop it. And I knew. And I thought, okay, then healing's going to come out of me on this trip. God, you're going to move again. If the enemy hits me, then I'm hitting back. If you know who you are, you're going to hit back. You're not going to take it lying down. I, I know that I sound strong today, but believe me, Ron and I have had to get up and not take what's happened to us lying down. You're going to see my family living in unity and love again. I'm telling you, I'm not taking it lying down. I know how we raised our family, and we raised them in love. We raised them to walk with the Lord. We raised them to love one another and to lift each other up. And I'm not living in this defeat. I won't. Ron and I both have had to go to the ends of ourselves and say, we are dead. It is you who is alive. And your word says, and you told us, and you promised. All your children are taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. And in righteousness, they will be established. Sword of the enemy, take that. Now cut your head off, you liar. That's where we're at. Somebody go, where are you? I'm there. I'm there. Every place the enemy has come at you, he wants you to take it. There isn't anything you've had come against you. that He does not want victory from that. But I'm going to tell you, he also wants to make it easier. In, in the garden, it says it was a curse to have to work on it. When you know your identity, you can joy on it and rejoice in it. And you can say those scriptures. I do believe there are times it's, you need to just get your sword out and be angry. I do. I'm telling you, I've never been able to make decisions I needed to make against the enemy without a little bit of anger. And I've never seen a war fought where we won anything, where the, the troops were all passive. Have you? Have you ever seen a game won where the people that were just passive and they just didn't care? God will take care of it. I'm just sure he will. I'm going, God will take care of it, and I'm with him. And see my swords? I got, oh, man, I have got a lot of them. I do. Because he's spoken them to me. And he's told me, you get up. You don't lie down. And he's told Ron. And, yeah, we've, been, we've had a lot of tears. We've wept before the Lord over and over. And then we've gotten up and picked up our swords. Therefore, rejoice, all you heavens, and celebrate all who live in them. Because the enemy has come down. He has come down, and he's going down. So, is he going down under your feet? It's your choice. Are you serving you? It's easy to be apathetic. It's easy to serve yourself. Are you going to serve him? You know, I've had people say over and over, God's in revival to Owen County, and he says, Really? You want to pay the cost? You got to get up and pray. You got to pray. You got to be engaged. It's not just going to come. There isn't any miracle that you're going to have that you can't be that you're not going to be engaged. 
Oh, it just rained with diamonds from heaven. No, I didn't do anything. No, we're partnering with God. He looked at us and said, you're the keys. That's what we saw on, I think it was Marty had the vision of it. We're the keys. He's unlocking these doors. But every one of you and our children are the keys. I'm ready for more healed marriages and more healed homes. I thought, well, if we've got to have some attack in that area, then we're going to take more. We're going to take more. All of you. That's where we're at. Jesus won every battle first by prayer. So I'm back to praying. Listen to this. What did we lose in the garden, first of all? We lost dominion. We lost rule. We lost the battle. The snake began to attack us. We lost the battle of how to attack the snake by faith in God and prayer and the word. But Jesus came. God will make all work out for good. I found another one. Uh, another one of those. If we trust him and pray. I'm going to read it because he gave me this one this week. I'm going to read it. It's um, Psalm 57. And again, it's in a different translation. So I liked what they said. That's why I write my verses down, because it takes me forever to find them. Psalm 57, 2. I cry out to God, the Most High. Overall, Lord of Heaven's armies is what it actually means. To God who always does what is good for me. Who always does what is good for me. God will make all work out for good. Romans 8, 28. If we trust him, if we pray, and we stand in who he is and who we are in him, it's important to know who you are. He wants us to take every battle on earth that we've had and make it a great victory. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. No, I'm going to have you repeat it with me. He wants us to take every battle on earth that we've had. And make it a great victory. We're going to say it again. He wants us. What's God's will? He wants us to take every battle on earth that we've had and make it a great victory. Jesus first demonstrated this. Every challenge, every battle. You all have them. You all have them today. Every challenge, every battle was won in believing his father and prayer. And prayer and the unchangeable word of God. Jesus spoke the unchangeable word of God. He said to the enemy, He's, you are overcome by the word of God. Jesus prayed. He prayed before the storms. He prayed every night. He prayed and he got, Father, I know that you always hear me. In other words, I'm always praying and you hear me. And he took every battle. He took it. 
Now he's covered us with the same call and the same glory. So what are your battles? Every one of you has them. What is your battles? He wants you to take them. That's the word of the Lord today. Whatever your battles are, whatever your battles are, he wants you to take them. He has them for you. He wants you to take them. You don't have to beg him. He wants you to take them. Let's stand. I want you to repeat after me. We're in repeat Sunday, huh? Father, I know you want me to take these battles. You have equipped me with the blood of Jesus. I am covered with your glory. You have given me your word, which is a sharp, two-edged sword, able to cut off the enemy's head. You have given me strength, power, and anointing by your Holy Spirit to hear your voice, to pray your prayers, and to take the victory. In Jesus Christ, victory is mine. In Jesus Christ, victory is mine. Okay, I want you to think of every one of the battles or whatever battle you are facing today. In Jesus Christ, Victory is mine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to find someone just around you, and I want you to have them pray with you and believe with you for victory over whatever battle it is. Just find a a small group of you, all of you, and pray with each other. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. 